Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. That's awesome. It's always, uh, I always love starting out our, our, our service times with worship. It's just, uh, I know once in a while the odd time will change it up. Um, just to keep everybody on their toes. But it, it is, it's just so good to invite the presence of the Lord as we worship together. So uh, I really, uh, I was kind of blessed this morning by uh, actually the new song that uh, David introduced there with the team. And uh, it, it, one of the lines there said about um, the sound of his robe. And uh, anyways, that's kind of where, where I wanted to go this morning, um, actually, because I, I wanted to minister to you out of the word on the woman with the issue of blood. But before I do that this morning, I want to know how many people started their day with Jesus this morning? Awesome. That's good. That's good to see. As you know, a couple of weeks ago when I had the opportunity to bring the word, I was telling you about um, how I've been encouraging my kids every morning that they get up, you know, start your day with Jesus. Guys, you got to start your day with Jesus, you know, because, uh, you know, if, if you want to see lives changed, if you want to see people get healed, uh, that's right. We got to start with Jesus. And, you know, I just want to ask you, uh, as an illustration here, would you rather eat this or this? <laughs> I'm going to leave that there so you can keep an eye on it. But, you know, if we don't start with Jesus, the devil, he's always looking for somebody to devour, right? And he will. He, he will eat you and he will spit you out. And... When that happens, and we've all had those times in our life where we haven't started with Jesus, and we've gone on her today, and we've gotten all beat up, and uh, it doesn't go so well for us, and it doesn't go so well for the people around us. So we want to start with Jesus. We just, we just need that to get, to get grounded in him and to become strong in him. And, um, you know, I want to look at this woman, and if you're familiar with it at all, it's about the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to start there. If I'm going to have Brian, if you can bring that scripture verse up for me. And uh, we're going to be reading out of uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 36. And just bear with me. I know it's a bit of a long verse or section here, but uh, it's just so important we kind of see the whole thing. And this, this, um, this event here that happened uh, is actually found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, it's, it's very interesting the way it's laid out. And so we find here, he says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great mul multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So when Jesus went with him, a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Got another verse there, Brian? Oh, sorry. And a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his garment, 
I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard that word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now that story goes on, but I want to I end there and just start in here. So we see Jesus, he's, he- he's heading out to this, to Jairus' house, the ruler of the synagogue's house. He's come and he's asking, um, in two of the other gospels, you find this little girl that is his daughter, She's likewise 12 years, she's 12 years old. And this woman who has the flow of blood, we find that she has had this flow of blood for 12 years. So the same length of time this little girl has been alive, this woman has been suffering. This, this woman has been struggling with this flow of blood. And, you know, in the Old Testament, it tells us that the life is in the blood, Right? The life is in the blood. That's why whenever they, they killed an animal and sacrificed an animal before they were to, would eat its meat, they were to drain the blood out of it because they were not allowed to, to eat of the blood because the life was in the blood. And so, you know, when you understand the life is in the blood, you, under, you, you can see that parallel about how Jesus, with this woman here, the, the life, in a sense, is, is being drained out of her. Like over these 12 years of, of her suffering and of, of her struggling, you know, this life is being drained out of her. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like the life's being drained out of you? You ever feel like, you know, do you have those places where you're struggling, you know, mentally? You know, all these things that are barraging your mind. You ever have those times when you're just emotionally, you're distraught? that life's kind of draining out of you. You have those times, even physically, where you're drained, you're tired, and, and somebody's asking more of you, and it's just like, I don't have any more to give. You know, that's what this woman was feeling. And, and it's important that we really get a picture here because, again, if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, I think it was chapter 15 of Leviticus, we find that somebody who had this condition, if they had a flow of blood, uh, they were considered unclean during that time that they had the flow of blood. So as we know, a woman has a monthly period, right, where she has a flow of blood. But this woman had it for 12 years. She had something going on, and that flow of blood just continued to happen. And so in the Old Testament, whenever there was, whenever there was a flow of blood, whenever there, there was an issue uh, in that sense, um, you were considered unclean, and you had to isolate yourself. So this woman, for 12 years, she's considered unclean. And so, and she would have spent a lot of time in social isolation. Does that sound familiar with today? <laughs> social isolation, right? And so she would have been isolating herself a lot. Anything that that person touched during their period of being unclean uh, also became unclean. 
So if she sat on some furniture, that it was unclean until evening. Uh, if she touched somebody else, they would be unclean until evening. So you can imagine if this woman was married and she had children, uh, anything that she touched, any food that she prepared would be considered unclean. So how's her family deal with that? So you can see uh, the, the desperation that this woman is in. You know, this, this life that's being drained out of her and how she feels and, and the isolation. Whenever she would go out into public, she was to proclaim, you know, unclean, unclean. She had to let people around her know that she was unclean so that they'd know to, to stay away, so they would know not to be uh, defiled. And so, and likewise, we find here, too, um, that she'd seen many physicians and she'd spent all that she had. Like, this woman was financially broke. Like, she, 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 was, she was in a pretty desperate uh, situation. And, you know, I wonder how many times this woman was attacked in her thoughts. How many times was she attacked in her thoughts to just give up, to just, just surrender to despair? Have you ever had that? Just those times when you're just attacked, your thoughts, just give up. Just forget it. It's not, it's not going to happen. Your situation's not going to get any better. It's not going to change. And that's why I'm coming to this story, is because this woman, she never gave up. She never became passive. And, you know, we talked about one of our announcements this morning was about the highway to wholeness we're having at the end of September. And one of the things we teach you on is passivity. And I'll tell you, passivity is, is a huge robber. It's a huge destroyer of what God wants to do in your life if you give into it. It's a huge destroyer of what's going on out in our community and across our country. Passivity. It's a huge destroyer even in the body of Christ. You know, there's, there's a, a huge measure in which, you know, the church has not been active and not stood up and, and not stepped out in the things that they should. And, and that's, that's true for, for us, you know, individually as well as corporately, you know. But praise God. He always has a remnant, and he always has those, you know, that are hungering for him and thirsting for him and desiring to move forward in that. But, um, you know, passivity will, will truly destroy you. Passivity, it's not a spirit. Okay, there's, there's demonic spirits out there. There's things that influence people. There's things that come to attack them. But passivity itself is not a spirit. Passivity is simply the fruit of what happens when you give in to spirits. You know, so, you know, there's spirits of fear, spirits of rejection, spirits of self-pity, spirits of unloving. And, and just to take one as an example that can create passivity is a spirit of fear, right? So there can be uh, a fear of failure. There can be a fear of rejection. Or there could be a fear of death. And, you know, if so people can become passive. So if you're afraid of stepping out in something, uh, because you're because you're afraid to you're afraid to fail. Sometimes we're afraid to fail, right? We don't we don't want to take that step because I'm afraid to fail. I'm I'm afraid of what I'm going to look like in front of other people, and then and then comes the fear of rejection, right? And so you can see how fear it just and that's just one spirit, you know, because fear is a spirit that can attack you and and keep you from taking that step. And you know, I remember back in grade eleven. Uh, and I failed grade 11 math, and I was in, in, in those days, 
I'm not sure exactly the system now, but they had your advanced level and then your kind of average level and then your, um, how they call it, the basic level. The other level, okay. <laughs> so I was in the advanced level. And uh, anyway, so I failed grade 11 math. I was just too much goofing around, obviously. And so uh, I failed grade 11 math. So in order to get my credit for that year, uh, I went to summer school because I didn't, I didn't want to get behind, so I decided to take summer school. And in summer school, they didn't offer the advanced level. They just offered the, the basic level, the average level. And so I took that just to get a grade 11 math credit. And the amazing thing was, um, I just got the basics of math, and I got them down so well um, in that, that I came back in grade 12, and ah, I don't know why, but um, I just decided, decided to risk it, I don't know, but I took the advanced level again in grade 12. And I was pulling off 80s and 90s, and people that I was going to before to try and get the answers, they were coming to me looking for answers. It, it was just, it was, it was quite wild, it was quite humorous actually. But basically what happened there was because of my failure, I went back and I got the basics of math. There's just, I didn't have a good hold on the basics of math and that's why I was bombing out in the advanced level the previous year. And you know, that's the same thing with our walk with God, with our, with our, our our following Jesus is just, it's getting the basics. And when you have a good foundation under you, then you can build on that. Then you can do the advance. Then you can do whatever. But it's just about, and you know, I learned that lesson um, about failure, is that all failure is not bad. Now, yes, of course, we don't want to fail. But in terms of not having a fear of failure, is it's okay to step out and take that next step. Whatever God's speaking to you in your life at this time, and you're not sure, you're fearful about taking the next step, you don't have to have a fear of failure if you are simply willing to learn from it. If you're willing to uh, accept correction, and if you're willing to, to learn from that and grow out of that, there's no need to have a fear of failure. And there's no need to, when you fail, there's no need to have a fear of being rejected by others. Because sometimes when we feel, when we fail, um, other people, uh, they don't accept our failure, and then they don't accept us. And then, and then, you know, we're fearing how they feel about us, right? But we don't have to fear rejection when you, when you know God, when you have a relationship with God, and you have a Father that loves you. You know, you, you know that even when you fail, that he's going to be there. He's always going to love you, and he's going to be there to help you through it. He's going to help you be there to help you learn from the failure that you just had. And that is, that is just simply basically why we're out there. We want people to know about Jesus. We want to tell people about the good news, about the gospel, that Jesus has put such a value on their life, that he shed his blood for them. And they don't have to be afraid. They don't have to be afraid to fail. They don't have to be afraid to be rejected. And this woman... She never, she never gave up. She, wasn't, she didn't allow fear to control her in such a way that she became passive. And, and passivity, um, in the simplest sense, just simply means not to be active anymore, not, not to try anymore. And we see here that um, 
that she kept pressing on. And, you know, many times people can say, you know, if, if only I could just understand more, if I could just understand the Bible better, if I could just understand my situation better, you know, then, then it would be easier. And, you know, I always like to come back and just remember this. Adam and Eve, their Bible was only one verse long. You ever thought about that? Don't eat from the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. One verse, that's it. And they couldn't keep it, you know? So it's not just about understanding. It's about active obedience. And I think this woman, in the midst of all her struggle, she understood that one simple thing. Was she wasn't going to give up. And she said to herself, she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. If only I can touch his clothes. And because of that, she, she pushed her way through the crowd and came to that place where she touched the hem of his garment. You know, sometimes we fall into passivity. Sometimes we fail to take that next step because we're trying to understand the whole picture. We're trying, to, we're trying to figure out the map. It's like, okay, I'm here. I'm supposed to get there. And, yeah, okay, I guess I got to take a right here and a left there. And, and, you know, we get all caught up in trying to understand everything. And so because of that, we don't take that next step. But, you know, this woman, she had focus. She said, if only I may touch the hem of his garment. That's all you have to do. It's just, what is the next step in front of you today? Just today, what's, what's the next step that you know God is, is telling you to take in your life? It, it could be very simple. It might be just be something routine that you would do every day. But what's the next step? You know, even just this last week, um, I had a lot of stuff going on. I was just kind of getting overwhelmed. And in the midst of that, you know, Jesus, I just really felt him speak to me. He said, Peter, you're getting your eyes on the waves. It was Peter in the old, or in, the, in the Bible too, right? <clears throat> but he just said, Peter, you're getting your eyes on the waves. Just keep your eyes on me. Just, just look at the next step. And so I was blessed, you know, too, just being reminded of this woman. She just, she said, if only. She was just looking at the next step. And that's what helped her to overcome any passivity. That's what helped her to stop from giving up where she just looked at the next step. And so she sneaks up behind Jesus, right, and touches the hem of his garment. She didn't cry out, unclean, unclean, because she'd done that. Then everybody would have heard her coming. And so it's kind of like if I'm to put that in a modern context of today, oh, my goodness, she didn't have a mask on. Right? She didn't have a mask on. But yet, God didn't refuse her. And so, you know, can you and I make allowances just like God did? When somebody's seeking, can we make allowances at times if somebody doesn't have something just quite right? Let's not get, let's not get caught up in the legalism because there's a life that need, could be, because that's what we always need to look at, at in every situation is there's a life that needs to be touched. There's a heart that needs to be reached. And that's what God always looks to. And that's what God wants you and me to realize. 
is to look beyond some of those things and, and make those allowances for people that are just truly trying to find their way and find out. The other interesting thing is when she touches Jesus, as we said, anything that an unclean person touched became unclean. But here, Jesus didn't become unclean. It was him that brought cleansing to her, that caused her to be purified. It says, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. So if I can put this back in our modern-day context, can we look at the situation that we're in? And this is, just, this is just simply one example, but the coronavirus, you know, when we're out moving in society, can we look at, and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about wearing masks or not wearing masks. It's not about that. It's about, it's about the condition of your heart. It's about how you're thinking about things. And so, because I realize sometimes I'll wear a mask just out of respect for somebody else. So it's not, it's not about wearing the mask, not wearing the mask. But I mean, what's going on in here is the main thing I, I just want to get across to you is let's not be living in fear of getting the coronavirus. Let's take the mindset of Jesus and where healing was being released to people. People were being cleansed. People were being made whole by, because of the life that he was living, because of that relationship that he had with his father. And you and I can have the same thing, you know, because I can hear some people, you, you say this to them, and maybe you're here this morning, and you're saying, well, yeah, but Pastor Peter, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. And thank you for clarifying that in case there was any confusion for some of us that thought you might be. But, you know, the call is not to an identity crisis here. You know, the call is not to any confusion about who you are. The call is to what your identity is in God. That's God's always calling us to take hold of that, is to our identity. You're a child of God, and as a child of God, you can believe to, to walk in healing, and not only walk in healing for yourself, but that you can pass that on, that we can pass that on, that, that when we're in an environment that things can change, that when we touch other people, when we pray for other people, that they can be healed, no matter how bad that circumstance looks. There doesn't have to be, and, and I always say this, and, and I encourage you, let's say you have something as, as simple as the common cold. Don't say, I have a cold. Say, I'm fighting a cold. Okay, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to get all caught up in the technicalities, but I'm just saying, don't own things. Don't, don't declare things with your mouth and saying, you know, I own this. I have a cold. No, say, I am fighting a cold. It puts it in a different context. And I truly believe that's what was going on with this woman here. It's we, because we find in the end, Jesus says to her, he says, you know, your faith has made you well. Well, how do we know she had faith? Well, we know she had faith because she kept moving forward. And, and, and she, she came to Jesus. And so I believe that one of the signs of this woman's faith was that she didn't see herself primarily as suffering. She saw herself primarily as someone who was struggling. You see the difference? She wasn't focused on the suffering itself. She was focused on the struggle. And someone who's struggling is someone who's still trying. 
It's someone who's still trying to overcome. It's someone who's still moving ahead in the situation. And so she didn't give in to that passivity. And it was the power that she had, that power of just simply taking the next step, of, of just taking that choice to move forward. Because this woman had gone from physician to physician, you know? And so she, she kept taking the next step. I, I mean, I don't know what all came before in her life. I don't know uh, if she knew any better or not. I mean, God knows that. God knows the, the thing behind the story. But we do know that from her actions and, and from, from what God has spoken to us in his word here was that she took that next step when she heard. But when she heard of Jesus, she said, if only. And so she takes that next step, and she uses that power that she has in her struggle, and she takes that next step to access, to access the power that she needs for to be healed. You see, she takes the faith that she has to seek the power that she needs. She doesn't have the power herself to be healed, and so that's why she needs Jesus. That's why you and I need Jesus. But she takes the little that she has. And, you know, it says in James uh, in, the, in the second chapter there, and you can go check that out, but it says faith without works is dead. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So you can have faith, but it could be a dead faith. But we know that a faith is a living faith if there's works that are attached to it. If the thing that I'm saying and believing and declaring, if I'm actually acting on that and acting in accordance with that, then that's a living faith. And that's simply what this woman was doing. In her struggle, she was taking that next step. And, she, and through that, she was able to access that power that she needed from Jesus. She's simply planting her seed, right? Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And this woman saw the fountain of her blood dried up just simply because she planted that little seed that she had. In the midst of her struggle, she didn't have a lot, but what she had was all she needed to get to Jesus and access the power that she needed to be healed. You know, we have all three Gospels uh, if you read all of them, Jesus turns around and he says to this woman, he says, your faith has made you well. So it doesn't just say that she was healed, and she was, but it says, your faith has made you well. And when you look that Greek word up there um, for made well, it's sozo, which it means, um, it has this implied sense of, of danger, being saved from uh, the sense of danger and being brought into safety. So there was an impending danger on this woman that she had, and Jesus is saying to her, not only is she healed, but that she's made well. You've been saved from this impending danger. I'm sure a part of which was she's getting close to this place of giving up. She spent 12 years struggling and wrestling and trying to overcome. And so when she's healed, she's not only healed physically, 
but she's made well. She's saved from the sense of this impending danger that wants to overcome her and was constantly attacking her thoughts. I'm really, uh, I'm really blessed by how Jesus, after this woman is healed, after she's touched his clothes, he stops and he says, who touched me? And the disciples, as we read there, they said, what do you mean, who touched you? Like, you're in a crowd, like there's dozens of people touching you, pressing in around you. But he says, no, he says, for I perceived power went out for me. You know, it's those who touch God. Those who touch God are those who touch him by faith. Are those who just come, they just, the little that they have left, but they just come seeking him, and they touch him by faith. And so this woman does this, and Jesus feels his power go out from him, and he's seeking who it was. And I often, you know, a number of years ago, I thought, Jesus, why why did you stop and try to find out who this person was? Why, like, it's like she got her healing. You've got hundreds, if not thousands of other people to keep going ahead here and, and touch and minister to who need you. Why did you bother to stop? And, you know, so I stopped and I look at what Jesus said to this woman. And if you just, if you take the time to break it down and just meditate on it, it's really powerful. And the reality is that God will stop the whole world for you. I mean, you think of everything that's going on out there in the world. All kinds of disaster, all kinds of things, all kinds of things that God could be caught up in and have his mind on, and I'm sure he does have his mind on. But he'll stop the whole world for you. He'll meet you as an individual in the midst of the crowd. And so Jesus turns to this woman, and the first thing he says to her is he says, daughter. Wow. You belong. You have a family. You're part of the family. You know, here's a woman. She struggled for 12 years with this thing. She's been isolated. And he says, you belong. You're my daughter. You have a family. How many people out there just need to know they belong? How many people are in our own community? They just need to know they have a place that they belong. I've met some this week. Man, I'll tell you, they don't think they belong. I talked to somebody this week, and they're just thinking about taking their life. They're not, they're not looking forward. They're out on the street, and they're not looking forward to the winter coming and say. You know, I'm just, I'm thinking about how I can take my life painlessly because they don't think they belong. Oh, I just, I just want to get them close to Jesus so they can know, so they can hear them say, daughter, son, you belong. Next thing he says to her, and it wasn't in this particular scripture verse that we read, but in one of the other gospels, he says to her, be of good cheer, daughter, be of good cheer. You know, he speaks joy into her life. She, she'd been living, you know, with so much despair and so many thoughts attacking her mind. And he says to her, be of good cheer. 
He speaks that joy into her life. He, he gives her, you know, that garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that she's been carrying all these years. And, you know, it's awesome in the baptism that we did yesterday. And those who are being baptized, and we had a prayer tent afterwards. And, it, you know, as exciting as the baptism was, I found it incredibly exciting over in the prayer tent. We were praying over some of these ones because we said, hey, if you want to get prayer after, you know, go over to the prayer tent. And, and just the words that were being spoken and, and the prayers over those people uh, was powerful. And, and one of the things that came out over one of the individuals was just the joy that God was, was going to give to this person, just the joy that was going to flow out of their life. And, and Jesus did that right here with this woman. You know, he said, be of good cheer. He speaks joy into her life. Let's speak joy into people's lives. And then he says, as we've, as we've already said, he says, your faith has made you well. You know, he celebrates with her on her step of faith. Jesus wasn't all about just getting on to the next thing. But he celebrates. He, he, he does a shout out, you know, your faith has made you well. You know, good job. You took that next step. You pressed in and you overcame. And then he says, go in peace. He makes a declaration about her future. And he says, you, you know, go in peace. Your future is going to be filled with safety, a place of safety, a place of security. Your, your, your future is going to be filled with a place where you can rest. You're going to be at peace. Not that it was going to be that way constantly, but she was going to have those places where she could find that place of rest like she hadn't before, find that place of safety and security. You know, and this was coming to a woman who was financially broke. And God was speaking peace into her life. And finally, I just want to finish off as we know the story. Uh, started out with Jairus coming and seeking him for his daughter who was at the point of death. And this woman comes and she gets healed in the midst of it. And it's, it's interesting because in all three Gospels that record this event, this woman with the issue of blood comes into the middle of this story. And I think if for no other reason, this one thing, and I want you to take this home with you today too, is that sometimes we're going along in our life, just like Jairus, and we're crying out to Jesus, we're looking for Jesus, we're coming to, asking him to come and help us with something, and all of a sudden the word comes, the word came to Jairus, you know, your daughter's died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? You come to a place where it seems like your, your dream is dead. You haven't got what you hoped for. But he says to Jairus, he says, don't be afraid, only believe. And I wonder if in that moment, Jairus looked over at that woman with the issue of blood who just got an incredible breakthrough in her life. And he was able to take that. He was able to take something, a move of God, Right? Pastor Jacques spoke last week about the move of God, right? There was a move of God on this woman's life, and he was able to take that for himself and say, yeah, I can believe. I can believe for my daughter. I can still believe for my circumstance, for my situation as dire as the situation sounds right now. And, you know, God will do, God's doing that in your life. There's things that go on around you, and, 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 and your life gets interrupted just like Jerry's life does. It gets interrupted. It's because God wants to use that interruption to instill faith in your life, to believe for what you need to believe for. 
for you to be able to take the next step. So don't just look at yourself. Don't just focus on yourself in life. Look at what God's doing around you and take hold of that. And let it empower you to make that next step in your life. Father, we just want to thank you, God, today that you're a God who empowers your people, that you're a God who will stop the whole world to meet us right where we're at. God, we just love you for that. We just thank you for that. God, we just celebrate. We celebrate you. We celebrate the fact that we can know healing this morning. We celebrate you that you can uh, just cause our, our cup to run over, that our soul can just be so filled up that we can have a joy we can have a peace because of what you have done, because of what you've accomplished for us. And so, Father, we thank you for that today. And we say, Father, this morning, I'm just going to get my focus on you, and I'm just going to take that next step. I'm not going to get concerned about figuring the whole thing out, but I'm just going to take that next step, and I reach out to you. And we do that today, God, we just reach out to you, touch you, touch your presence, the hem of your garment. Thank you for your healing that's flowing today, God. I just thank you for your healing that's flowing in this place as you touch hearts, even as you touch bodies, as you touch souls, God, today for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want prayer, you know, after um, just come up um, myself or Anita or some of the prayer team, and uh, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you guys as uh, you go throughout the rest of your week, and be encouraged. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.